Moto Limited Network. It's good to have other opinions that you know are good opinions too. If you're in my way, we, we gotta do battle. basically is my life. My brain probably wanders a lot. I don't know. Here it is, the Moto Limited Show. I'm your host, as always, Trent Ma. And joining me tonight, as always, my co-host. He is not going to get a massive intro this week. He's just the Marshall Family YouTube channel editor, producer, filmer, just the man all around. Robbie Marshall, how are you, mate? The YouTuber who's lost all his data currently. Yeah, that YouTube, that YouTube <laughs> stuff will get you every time. The hard drive hunter rod tonight. I was about to upload another one, and everything is gone. So it could be could be early retirement on the YouTube channel after all of that. We'll get it back. Yeah, nice. And <laughs> and also tonight we've got uh, a special guest joining us. Uh, he is a young man who's very well known in this sport, and uh, I'm very privileged to give uh, for him to give us a little bit of time here tonight. It's Luke Reardon. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. That's, Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. I appreciate you giving us the time to come on our show. Um, we've been trying to get some people in uh, to have a chat with us, so do appreciate uh, appreciate your time and appreciate you giving us a little bit of your knowledge and, and input into the sport that you've grown up like all of us grown up in. So, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate you coming in. Yeah, no worries at all. I <laughs> just like... Yeah. I- like to add that we have a pretty good studio setup happening here yeah. at my house. Yeah, if people can hear, maybe you'll hear the quality, but I mean, <laughs> if you're visually looking at where what we're looking at, they're sitting together. On a- in my son's bedroom. Yeah, look at that. See, <laughs> high class production we've got here on the uh, Moto Limited show, but hey, we're getting there. We're making it happen. Um, so let's get stuck in, boys. Uh, show number six. Uh, got a got a fair bit of things. A fair bit of things. A fair bit of stuff. I want to tackle tonight uh, and get through. Uh, the first thing that I want to go through is obviously having you on here, Luke. Um, just wanted to go through some stuff with you. So seen on the weekend you're back racing like most people were at MX Farm or the weekend before, sorry, um, and doing a bit of that sort of stuff. Um, how's it been back racing and, and getting through this COVID stuff and, and getting back into it? Yeah, man, it's been it's, it's been awesome. I just I've had a lot of time off the bike as well everyone has been off racing, but I actually um had a injury um at Dean Ferris's place at the start of the year. So I was actually off for five bit over five months uh, with a ankle fracture mm-hmm. um, so i only got back on the bike a couple of weeks before mx farm so didn't have the best preparation um but it was awesome to jump back in there plenty of boys that lined up yeah. uh, both in the 450 and 250 class but yeah like it you know i think everyone even new south Wales boys came um to, up for it yeah. so they yeah this it was stacked group and i think they all really enjoyed it it was yeah it was a tough track though it was with us 14 plus guys, it was, you know, once that gate dropped, it was a real hard track to pass. Um, and yeah, I didn't have the best weekend at all. I either did Rob, I don't think, <laughs> I went on with him, but um, he'll get that soon. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, no, it was awesome. It was really good to do a gate drop again, and hopefully this weekend will be a good one as well at Toowoomba. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I wanted to get touch on tonight as well. Is is obviously Toowoomba's coming up this weekend, and you know, with everything going on at the moment again with this second sort of wave that seems to be hitting us uh, with the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, you know, we're still going racing, which is which is awesome. It's obviously only going to be to the Queensland guys this round because they've shut the borders again. But um, I mean, racing is is is, uh, is racing and it's good to have it back for sure. So you had that injury during, you know, you did before the season started. So you really didn't get the full, uh, to do use the, the COVID-19 to your advantage and get back. You only three weeks back on the bike, but did you do obviously do a lot of training during that time too, rehab and, and get yourself back to it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, it took a little while. I was only meant to be off for about 12 weeks. Um, I was actually at the start of the year. I planned to, um, put university on hold. I'm full-time uni student. Yep. So I put hold, um, and I was planning on doing the whole season of the nationals, which I haven't done that in things since I got back from the state. So it's been a long time. So 14 um, or put, something, wasn't it? 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Back in, yeah. Between 2012 to 2014 or 15, I think it was, mm. Um, and then, yeah, I put everything in for this year. Unfortunately, it was about for six weeks before the first round was meant to begin. Um, freak accident, just come short on a big jump. Um, I actually don't remember it. I was concussed, but, it, you know, it was kind of the wrong timing. But then it wasn't long after, two weeks later, the whole coronavirus, COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah, pandemic end up starting and that's when it all kind of went downhill. Yeah. Um, obviously, other riders were affected by it, um, you know, with their preparation going all over Christmas time and stuff. Um, but, yeah, for me, I was probably the only one that was kind of like, okay, sweet, let's <laughs> – yeah. Let's let's um, drag this out a little bit longer, but then unfortunately it drags out all the way till now, and we still haven't raced the national. Yeah, yeah. and it and I mean uh, the last show that Rob and I did, it's it's whether it even runs and and what it's going to look yeah. like if it does. So yeah, yeah. So I I had the time off. I didn't try to rush back. I've you know I've had injuries in the past, so I've learnt now. Being twenty six, I'm not a kid anymore. I've loved, let the let the injuries heal. Um, and yeah, I did rehab. I you know I was training off the bike, but it was a lot longer than I thought. I ended up taking up to five months of no ride whatsoever. So it was a yeah. long time off the bike. Even now, I'm not hundred percent, but just doing what I can. Yeah, for sure. He's not not a kid. <laughs> Not a kid. Yeah. He's 26. He's getting old, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. Hey. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to you, Rob. Yeah, we're getting to you, Rob. We're getting to you. All right, we got we got big news for the uh, Robbie Marshall fans out there. What's uh what's going on with him? So all right, Luke, so I mean Obviously, as you said there, the injury happened at Dean's and that's something that I wanted to touch on here. Obviously, Dean had a had a pretty bigger accident on the weekend uh, up at Conondale and uh, obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to, to him and the family um, with all of that. It, it's, it doesn't sound very good, um, but you know, Dean's a strong, fit guy, so hopefully he, he can get through this. But um, you're pretty close to the family too, uh, Luke. Um, your partner is is obviously Renee's sister. So um, I don't know if, if you've heard anything or whatever, but obviously just from what we've heard in the press releases that, you know, that he's um, obviously got these multiple fractures in his ribs and, and vertebra from what Raceline have put out. So hopefully he's all good and, and um, gets better soon and, and we can uh, have him back at the track and, and uh, fit and healthy. 
Uh, so we'll, we'll move on. Robbie Marshall, you've had a doozy of a week. We, everyone that listened to last week's show heard that Robbie had the crash and, and he's uh, not real sure of his knee. Robbie, give us an update on the knee injury. It was more of a tip over than a crash. But <laughs> yeah, Costly one. Got, um, got an MRI done and got results back. Um, so yeah, it turned out it was actually worse than I thought. So it's it's fully torn ACL, mm. um, a complete tear straight through. Um, so basically no ACL and a medium tear of the uh, MCL. And then there's also damage to the meniscus, which is the main concern. So, I mean, right now I've got 70% movement back in my knee. And, like, I can walk up and down stairs and everything fairly normal. Got a little bit of a limp, but to me, like, I feel like I could really get back on the bike this weekend and go for a ride. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously dudes out there that don't have ACLs and ride and stuff still this to this day, but um, – and obviously it's just a part of – a thing to stay fit and healthy and keep your mus- muscle built up in that region, but – uh, the main concern from the specialist was my meniscus. Yeah. So basically, it's already damaged, and he he doesn't want that to basically disappear totally and have bone on bone in my knee joints. Yeah. So, which obviously will create dramas in the future with arthritis and everything like that. And only be bad moving forward, I think. So yeah, opted for the full knee reco surgery on the twenty sixth of August. <laughs> So when Luke says that he's old at uh, 26, Robbie, he's uh, he hasn't got it right <laughs> there, has he? Meanwhile, he's ha- he's already had this operation done. Yeah, I will. So twice, right? Uh, three times. So he's trying. <laughs> he's telling me through the week he was scared of having the surgery. I'm like, mate, it's not. It's not. I'm not gonna worry. About I've got anxiety about the surgery, but um, oh no. I, I've been I've been lucky. Like, yeah, I was. Luke was over the other, like, the week after I crashed, I think, and I said I'm worried about surgery because I only ever had the one surgery on my two ankles when I shattered those. Yeah. And um, Luke was like, what? You only had one surgery? Yeah, it's been racing for 100 years and I've only had (laughs) surgery, so I'm pretty good, pretty lucky. But, yeah, it's kind of new to me, which is weird. Like, I'm 36, been doing it my whole life, so it's still – I'm still finding out. It's my first ever knee injury, so I'm still learning all about it. I tend to, whenever something involves me and I need to learn about it, I really do take the time. Yeah. So yeah, studying heaps about knees and stuff, and kind and obviously talking to everyone and and the specialists. I mean, you pretty much talk to any nearly any motocrosser. You can get info out of them about knee injuries or other injuries. So it's good to just talk to all the boys and find out what they've had done and and how they went about it and stuff like that. So and, and obviously Gawley. Yeah. I'm good mate Stephen Gaul who who makes my CDI two custom knee braces. And um yeah, he uh well he doesn't make them but he, he's the guy for those braces and um yeah he's given me some good advice as well and I mean with the schedule right I was obviously no racing and stuff like that, but to mm. me that's not a concern anymore. It's more so my freestyle and yeah we have nothing till it looks like probably January at this stage. So perfect. Um, wouldn't be a better time. Yeah, really. yeah. For yeah. for for a shit yeah. situation, it couldn't be any better to happen now. Yeah. Give you time. It's oh, dude, it's the same as 
I think I was saying last last week, it's the same as everything in this situation with the whole COVID thing. Like, it's crap that I'm out of work as freestyle, but it's helped us so much with our cafe. Like, I've been able – it just – the timing was couldn't be any better. We had a newborn baby, and I basically kicked Mon out of the cafe. I stepped in the cafe. She had the baby, yep. and life went on. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's kind of everything – doesn't happen for like everything hasn't happened for a reason, but timing wise, it's been pretty good. That's it. So when when uh, when are you booked in for that surgery? The twenty sixth, so like two and a half weeks. Jeez, nice and quick, mate. Yeah. Lucky you've got that private health, eh? I could have got in next Wednesday, but I was too worried. I was still going to be hungover from my sister in law's wedding. <laughs> So he's got um yeah he's got three days the twenty was twenty six so he got three days to prepare for the Queenslands which is the thirtieth and um, first last year I think so he's, he's good to go he'll make it he'll yeah make I'll, strap, it. I'll strap it up for him and Luke I said earlier too um I can still race to Wombo this weekend oh yeah yeah we'll strap her up mate let's go yeah. I'll go I'll, I'll be there so. oh yeah hey. That's on Saturday. You race Sunday. You've been, you've ridden in worse states, mate. <laughs> I've seen it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the go. All right, boys. Well, we'll uh, so Toowoomba on the weekend is is one thing I wanted to touch on. Um, I want uh, people to know that you can go up there and a uh, few people can watch uh, from what I chatted to um, the promoter there, Anne uh, Polsoni. had a chat to her today. So I'm going to be up there, going to be watching. I'm going to try and get some interview with a couple of the guys while I'm up there and maybe drop that in on this next podcast as well or do a separate one. Um <laughs> in Queensland to watch, are they? Yeah, best. I mean, even the ride sometimes when it's prepped and watered, she's good to yeah. go. But, yeah, uh, good. Yeah. And uh, Luke's got the weather report for the uh, for the weekend. And what's it going to be, yeah, Luke? I won't talk about that. Yeah, yeah, Australian weather people aren't great, though. So, <laughs> probably 9.9% chance it's going to be yeah, complete opposite, but it's supposed to be rainfall on Saturday, which that's all right for me. I, only the kids that I coach have to deal with that. That's it. That's it. Sunday, it's going to be fresh. The winds are meant to pick up, but, you know, it could all change by the time the weekend comes around. Yeah, well, let's hope. Let's hope it does. I mean, if it's yeah. cold, cold, it's a bar. I've been to the track when you're coaching and it was raining and you make them ride still. Yeah. It's pretty tough on them. Yeah, got to be <laughs> probably, tough. They'll probably do good anyway. Yeah, it's wet. probably. All righty. So, yeah, get yourselves up there. Pro classes are doing 320s this weekend. I've uh, been confirmed that. So, it'll be some good race in there. 320-minute motos for both pro classes. Um, you know, so nice nice length moto. So, the fitness is definitely going to be there. So, um, I'm sure, Luke, you're looking forward to some maybe some back-to-back 10s or something like that. But, uh, yeah. but anyway. Like that's a pretty – I feel like 320s for a sunny state or even Queensland's maybe a tad longer. But I feel like that's – why? Why try and change that? Well, like, well, I know that, I know I'm going to mix it up and try to do different formats and stuff, and which is what they did at Gympie and stuff. But honestly, at a sunny state race, I think three set twenties. Like, I mean, it's it's kind of seems not like seems like the normal thing to do. To me. Yeah. Well, well, I chatted to Anne and and she sort of explained to me that the reason why they've been doing it is because they want to get some riders' feedback and get the general consensus of what the best format is um, yeah. and then I know it can be boring at times but I think at the end of the day you're always going to find I think 320s are going to be be the one probably 
Yeah. You could train for it too. You know, like everyone knows this is what you're training for. You know, go and get it done. Yeah. Like even at the MX Nationals, like the, the lights class do a one thirty minute motor than the 20 minute. And we all know the 20 is a sprint race. So yeah. you can kind of hang it out for that whole 20 and, you know, not fade. Yeah. Um, but the 30 minute, it separates yeah, the men from the boys. Like it's it's a tough, a tough mode, especially when you go on those rougher tracks or the sand tracks. It's a, it's hard work. That's it. So if you guys uh, haven't entered already, I think entries uh, close tonight, which is Monday. We're recording this. It'll come out tomorrow. So probably already closed by the time you're listening to it. But um, get definitely get yourselves up there and uh, and have a bit of a look if you can. And, and I think it'd be a great day. Alrighty guys, I have had this question in the bank uh, for a little bit now and I um, last week we sort of touched on it a little bit uh, with obviously the MX Nationals and whether, whether it should be run as one of our uh, listener questions. Um, so this is kind of just branching off that a little bit and uh, in the perfect world, if, if, if we had a magic wand, how would we fix or what would we do to change the MX Nationals and, and you know whether it be right or wrong? let's let's figure out what we would do so i'll um i'll keep this one off rob um my biggest thing is um i i've done a couple of nationals i'm not a regular like you two have been or are um but the ones that i did if you're just the you know the privateer guy coming you know just doing maybe one or two rounds and just coming into it it just seems to be all about the teams and all about the the big names and you're basically just, I wouldn't say bottom feeding scum, but you're just kind of there and, and making up the numbers, which A, yes, you are. But the way I look at it is is they're the guys that are actually buying all the product from the shop, going to the track, doing all the riding, paying the tracks, doing all this sort of stuff and not taking any prize money away from the event because, dude, we're 20th place. Um, I, I just think there should be a little bit more like, you know, a little bit more like a, for them. Like a... Yeah, like definitely a more of a some sort of program or something set up for privateers. Yeah, like, yeah, just yeah, private, separate private. I mean, I don't think they've tried to do it in the past, but like, yeah, like a separate privateer prize package or like, yeah, yeah, something like that, or just just some sort of like you know some sort of thing where you know those whole events. Like, if you go there, and I mean, my last experience there, like, dude. It, you know, you qualify and all this stuff. It's all new to us guys. And, you know, you're not going to qualify that great or nothing, but it should be a thing where you go, right, well, you know, all the, all you guys get this, we're going to give the, the privateer guys, you know, you know, something in advance or you go like bottom 10 qualifiers get the, the 10 good gates and then everyone else got, cause you're not even going to get a start anyway against those factory bikes, but just, just entice the privateer guys to want to be forking out their hard earned money. Cause they, you know, if they get in a, you know, in a certain position or the best that they could get, they're going to get a little recognition for it, you know, and that's all, dude, that's all you're really going to get yeah. at that, at that point. So that's just one thing that I thought I'd like to see a change in is just, trying to give the privateers a little bit more incentive to go and do those events. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've done full national series as a privateer um, and always like I'm like as a privateer, I was always hovering around like that 10th to 15th place, like sometimes better obviously. But I think the last year I tried to do a full season was always 10th, 12th, stuff like that. Um and even like they're not bad results, but 
there was not real there wasn't much motivation to keep going that's for sure yeah yeah and that's and that's where and that's sort of where I'm coming from is is there's got to be something to to give these guys a motivation to keep because as I said bringing it back to where I am and have been in the sport I mean you know these are the guys that are buying the stuff from the motorbike shops which is ultimately funding a lot of these factory programs you know buying the bikes funding the factory pro- you know these guys are the ones that are you know not fully but you know they're the ones buying the stuff so just yeah. give them a little bit more you know incentive to spend the big money too to go to the nationals to go and to go and be there and you know get a little bit of something to go keep bringing back your money we're going to keep looking after you a little bit yeah, and even like down to pits and stuff like that. Like I know maybe some of the teams um, invest funding for the nationals, like obviously Yamaha and stuff like that. So yeah. then part of their deal is obviously the Yamaha factory team has to get looked after with yeah. pits and stuff like that at the events. But like maybe even like the pit setups for the privateers instead of just jamming them out the back. Yeah. Like how have a prime time spot where all the privateers can go with some facilities yeah. that they can use. Like, oh. even well, I mean, like a hospitality section yeah. that is all the privateers. It just has some little things in there, like yep. waters and stuff like that. Like just, you know. Yeah, that. I mean, the 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 one thing that I you know going off that is you know how they normally have the the line of semis and they're all sort of facing each other and people can walk down there like just allocating like twenty thirty meters of like three by three quick shades for can't don't park your car can't park your stuff there but you can put your your bike there you can put a sponsor sign up and when the guys are walking down getting posters and that giving them the ability to promote their sponsors. Yeah, the minimal ones they do have, and maybe sign some posters for some kids. I don't care, but yeah. it's what it's those little things. Like and I know, I know when I did the series, like a lot of, and it seems a lot of guys already have their branded tents and that pre-made. But obviously, if you know there's going to be something like that available, then you wouldn't have to go fork out the money or chase the sponsors to get the tent all printed and everything. You can just instead get signage, like you said, and the yeah. tents are there. One less thing you got to carry when you're <coughs> going to the race, like. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, or bring your own quick shade still to that, you know, but give yourself yeah. somewhere to, to, you know, so you can show that off. I mean, you know, I spent heaps of money on trying to get my signage and my stuff. And, you know, the one national I did, I was like on the service road, dude. And I was like, well, I'm not going to set up my signs and stuff. What's the point? So, yeah. and that, and that, and that, the, yeah, you, that, um, that kind of brings me to what I was going to bring up. Um, you're saying you're on the service road, like, why put my sign in? What's the point? Yeah. Like, the, I think you kind of question that anyway, whether you're in a prime time spot or not, because, like, how many spectators are we getting to these events? Some of them are good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think the whole package needs to somehow be made into more of a show in a way. Yeah. Um, so it is actually really entertaining, <coughs> and we do get a good crowd base yeah. at the – like at nationals, for for instance. So, so yeah, I think somehow generating it to make it like a show, and and obviously that's going to generate more income, which then will generate hopefully more income or money, prize money, whatever it is, getting passed on to the riders as well. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. Um, but yeah, and going off that, I mean, you you know, you talked about prize money. Like ultimately, yeah, love yeah. to see more prize money in the sport. <laughs> 
you're going to want to – the first thing on my list is let's reward all the writers, some of the guys that are putting on the show. Yeah. But, I mean, and, and then you can look at that two different ways as well. Like, I mean, it comes back to, to my point is – Take, I mean, it probably sounds pretty harsh, but take a lot of the prize money out of the top few riders because they're going to get bonuses and all that sort of stuff anyway. Like move the move it down a little bit further. And I mean, I've heard this argument in the AMA stuff in America and the Supercross and everything like that. Like it, it, it's not just our sport, but it does it does need to sort of be looked at and go, all right, well, these top guys are getting factory bonuses, are getting this, are getting that. Let's move the prize money down away from them and then start getting them into the guys that don't get any bonuses, don't get any contingency and actually give them something to, to show up, you know, and, and, and have, you know, pay to ride this event. Maybe by the time you get down into like 30th position, you're giving them just enough to cover their entry. If that. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's good, there's good money to be made in racing if you're winning. That's but right. Then, apart from that, like it's, it steps back pretty quick and it's not great. No. But if you got a magic wand, then yeah, in general as a whole, like just man, there needs to be decent prize money for everyone. Well, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, you know what what we lack here in Australia is a TV package. Yeah. And I mean, we're way behind America when it comes to that sort of stuff. Like our pay TV is just starting now to be, you know, um, decent and that sort of stuff. But even still like to get on there to f- compete with, you know, rugby league, <laughs> we're never going to yeah. compete on that level, but you know, budget's, not, budget's not a problem. Then yeah. Yeah. A TV package TV, for sure. TV package, <laughs> bring in the sponsors, bring in the money. That's where it's going to come <laughs> from. Watch it like when it does. If it does make it to TV, people love watching it. That's right. So, that's right. Matter, matter of face. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It, it it comes down to that. Let's you know magic wand. You know, put a TV package together, and I think the rest would follow. But I mean, a TV yeah. package is expensive. Like yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. it's you got to pay for it to start before you actually get paid to put your stuff on TV. You know, like. Uh, for an ad on TV is expensive enough. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, let's, uh, that'll do that. You don't have any, uh, don't have any input there, Luke. Oh, no, I was just, yeah, like I totally agree with that. Obviously I'm still racing the nationals and I'm privateer as well. So Mm. yeah, there's the money side of things. You know, I'm lucky enough to have civil skill assessment to help me out. Um, They cover all my racing. If it wasn't for them, me being a uni student, I don't have the funds to go and afford to, race sunny states let alone the nationals but you know as a privateer you you know the amount i've actually seen go into a round you know you i i don't remember exactly how much it is for a light championship but per round you don't win any prize money let alone win win come 10th or come last so as a privateer like those like rob said um like the factory riders they are getting contingency and stuff Top three finishes, whereas me as privateer, you know, for one, I don't have a factory engine. I do have a really good engine built by MXRP. Yeah, um, I, it's been proven that I can get out of the gate, and everyone kind of knows me as someone who can pull some good starts. Um, so that's not an excuse at all. But those teams also have the chance of using factory tires and stuff. And yeah. you, you know, it like well, my brother, my you know, he's used factory tires for the past ten years. Yeah. And, Without them, he knows that how much of a difference it is when yeah. those tracks get baked and stuff. So us privateers going against them, people that are making contingency, um, and you know, let's say I did win the championship and win five grand, it cost me nearly three yeah. to 
fun round by the time travel entries, race engine, race fuel, etc., goes into it. So yeah, pretty, the last I read, it was like ten grand, wasn't it, for the whole championship? Not what, even, not that. even, not for lights. But no, I think open was ten. I think lights so was like, two and a half or five. It was for yeah. a ch- but I mean, yeah. even if it's ten grand, it's a ten round series. That's a thousand bucks per round. Yeah. yeah. That's how many months does a series go over? Well, uh, yeah. yeah, normal schedule is like, like a five that, week break. So, so. that's another thing. Like, what yeah, is, the nationals, like it, it starts in roughly May. Like, May, is it? Yeah. yeah. And it does, it drags out a lot. Like, it goes over the whole year pretty much until then. They only have two, three weeks or whatever it is. Yeah, super- yeah. <laughs> Supercross in November, October, November. Yeah, so I know they have to work it in with the road racing and stuff, I think, with yeah. like the race safe um, and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like they could either shorten it, or not shorten it, but like not drag it out so long or throw in extra rounds yeah. and you know, the riders are going to do it. It only allows us to race more. Yeah, I, think, I think with the whole COVID thing, it's going to change a lot of that. So yeah. they're busting their asses to try and come up with a plan to do five rounds in – three weeks and stuff like that now. Mm. So I think it's like everything in the world with now that COVID's happened, I reckon the way things are done is going to change a lot of things. And I'll be like, well, you know what? People were going to rush and do five rounds in three weeks. So let's, let's uh, reevaluate and look at it. We can possibly do 10 rounds in a way shorter period than what they originally did. So, I mean, it's got, it's it's got, it's always got its positives and negatives about, rushing through a series or spacing it out. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, that's yeah. one of the problems we've always had. Like I worked on the subcommittee and ran and coordinated the Queensland motocross and the Sunshine State series for a few years. And that was one of the major problems we had was fitting it in the damn calendar yeah. because you can't clash with this and you can't clash with that. And yeah. it was a nightmare. It was a headache. Yeah. So, I think for sure, if they look at it, well, yeah, we can cram in rounds if we have to, then yeah, it might work better in ways. Yeah. Well, let's see, uh, let's see what happens and uh, hopefully some of our, our ideas there make it. Otherwise, well, we're just here bullshit behind a mic. So we'll see what happens. MXGP time. So we had MXGP of Latvia uh, happen over the weekend. And um, I mean, I got to watch a recap. Luke's watched the race, so we're going to get a little bit more insight from him on that one. Uh, but it, uh, it's good to get the GPs back um, to have a you know have a watch of, and and those guys are all pretty much back fit and healthy. So uh, pretty stacked class when you look at the results here as well. Um, Luke, that track looked gnarly to to watch on TV. Um, the MX2 class, the boys were you know two different um, two different winners you know, each race. Um, yeah, what was what was it like watching the whole moto from start to finish with those MX2 guys? Man, honestly, the track was gnarly. Yeah. It was probably the fast, probably the closest GP track that you would kind of go up against American track. But we all know GP tracks do get pretty sketchy, squarage, rough, and those boys, like what I've seen, doesn't matter who they had the camera on, they were hauling. Like yeah. they were, like my opinion they were the fastest dudes in the world. They were the 250 class, especially those boys, they just didn't back off. The track was, it was kind of like 
hard underneath, but sandy, pretty, yeah, kind of a deep kind of sand, a lot yeah. of wolf, real big rollers. And dude, those, yeah, like I said, there were some boys having some big moments. Yeah. Uh, unreal as passes happening left right and center uh, but then the passes were hard to make so they were making mistakes trying to make the passes happen um i do one outstanding rider was uh fernandez another 70 on yes. the, and if you can have the chance to watch the recap of it that dude had the biggest moments but he yeah i was sitting there with my partner alex and my other brother andrew and oh that dude did not back up. He crashed, I think, three times in each mode. He still finished in the top 10, but... He finished he fourth. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I think that was after a crash. The dude was unreal. Like, he... Yeah, if you want to see someone hanging out, he, he definitely hung out in that lights class. Yeah, that's it. I mean, um, you know, Tom Tom Vial came away with the with the overall, uh, won the first moto, and then he got second in the second moto. Um that um that Yago Gertz he or Geertz, he had the he had a massive crash in that first one. Um yeah, as the recap showed. The recap was literally just full of crashes from what I watched. Like it just there was dudes and like big ones too, like those rollers that caught so many dudes out, like through through, grab a foot and then just massive big high yeah. sides off the top. I fell asleep um, after the second MX two race, but I actually watched the recap this morning. I seen guys that uh, went down hard yeah. through the roll. Um, but yeah, that Gertz sort of, I think his name is he, yeah, I, I think it was the first moto and the, yeah, that was a big crash. Yeah. He hit the ground, but those guys, there was not one of, I didn't see one guy hit the ground and not get up there. No matter how hard they hit, they were, um, they were straight back on and you know, they were back at that top 10 finish. So it was crazy. I was saying to my brother, if these guys go down, it's, <laughs> they're going to go down hard because it was, yeah, it was what? was a track. Hard at the end of the day. Yeah, no, that's it. So obviously we got a couple of Australians in there. Um, uh, Jed Beaton had a pretty rough day. Um, he ended up uh, ninth on the day, um, but yeah. still has held on to his third place in the championship points, which is, you know, awesome for for an Australian guy to be you know, on the on the podium of the the championship so far. Um, but he had a rough day. He had some some crashes and some some bad starts and stuff like that. Sort of hurt him with that one. Yeah, he come down the first motor. He come down second corner, which is unfortunate because he was up there in that thing about sixth position and um, put him in a good spot to you know run with those boys. And he went from yeah six back to I think thirty second or something yeah. like that. And he, he he came through. He came through. I think he finished fourteenth or fifteenth in the first moto. Yeah, which he followed the second one. Um, he just yeah. I think he just he struggled a little bit with the start. Just that first jump out of the gate, which put him back to the you know those, those boys were all hauling, so it was hard. Everyone was kind of right on that same second. So if it, if you didn't get that start, it was tough to come through that you know that group. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh. Next next Australian rider after that, Nato Crawford, twelfth uh, position. Uh, good ride yeah. for, for Nato. Didn't get to see much of him in the recap, but um, did they show him much on TV, Luke? Yeah, it was – might have been the second moto. They'd show um, a bit of footage of him for about a lap or so. Yep. Um, I know that him and Jed in the second moto were pretty close. Yep. They they – yeah, pretty much the whole moto. They, um, Jed started behind Nato. He – caught up, passed him, but then I think Nato kind of just 
sat on the back of him and they just followed through from about the 15, oh, about 15th, 16th position and they just started picking one off after another. And, yeah, I think uh, Meadow finished eighth and Jed got back to six, I think it was, in the second motor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they both rode unreal in that one. Obviously, it's hard. There's, everyone was kind of really close in the same second any further up than that, so they didn't really get any closer to the front. But, yeah, yeah they rode yeah, real good. That's the go. Uh, the other, uh, the other Australian rider, uh, Bailey Malkowitz. Uh, he ended up twenty seventh on the day, which is uh, didn't didn't end up inside the points, which is uh, uh, either moto, which is a uh, obviously disappointing for him. Um, so hopefully, you know, he turns it around here in the uh, the coming motos. Uh, and then Wilson Todd wasn't there either. Didn't race or yeah. isn't there? So. And- I think he ended up getting a surgery, maybe knee surgery or something, a while back at, after that second round. So yeah. he's obviously still recovering from that. I'm not too sure if he is back on the bike, but yeah, and has Rob will witness in a couple of weeks. It, it's a little bit of a long process um, getting back on that bike. Yeah, that's it. All right, so that's the uh, MX2 class there for the um, GP of Latvia. Uh, going over to the MXGP class, um, your overall winner for the day uh, was Glenn Goldenhoff and the highlights reel from the second moto with uh, with him and uh, Seaward just going at it all the way to the finish line. Um, I wish I would have got to see the whole 30-minute moto of that one. It would look like, and I've been, social media, which is people just buzzing about, you know, how good the racing was between the two of them. Um, so it's good to see Goldenhoff obviously getting back up the front there. Like he always seems to start the seasons very slow and then build his way up into being good right around, you know, the end of the year leading into designations. He's won the designations two years in a row now. So, uh, outright. So it's good to see him up in front and, and that sort of, uh, having that battle and Jeremy Siwa as well, being up there as, um, with him also. So. Is it, was that Siwa in, uh, MXGP? Last year, he stepped yeah. up. Yeah, and no, last year, I think the year before he stepped, uh, he was MX2. Last year was his first year. Um, yeah. Maybe, or maybe. Up, when the Hunter was over there, yeah. and then moved over, then he stepped up. But yeah. even calling off like that, he's, uh, you know, his first year with the Gas Gas. So he gave them the first, you yeah. know, their first ever win, which is unreal for them. But yeah, yeah I think the second moto, I, I didn't get to see the second moto, but even the first one, him and um, um, Geyser were back and forth. I think Geyser went off the track. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he made the pass and then Coldenoff went off the track again, like I think six minutes to go, which gave um, guys of the overall, yeah, the winning moto one. But then, yeah. Yeah, obviously, I the second one, I know guys went down through that yeah. pretty rough rolly section. So, uh, but yeah, I... I have to check it out tonight and um, yeah, watch Moto Two. But yeah, yeah. No, so that so they were uh, so Tim guys are end up second overall for the day, even with the big crash. Um, I think he ended up like a fourth or fifth or something like that because um, their point structures. I think it's the real old school one. So working that out, I think it was fifth. Um, so he finished up second. He's he's now with Jeffrey Hurling's having a pretty pretty rough day. He ended up fifth overall. It's brought. Uh, guys are within four points of Hurling's uh, championship lead. So um, that's going to start spicing up a little bit. Uh, I'd like to see that, you know, moving on to the later stages of the year with those two just going at it, you know, guys are 
is like the rubber man. Like he has some massive crashes, bounces, get backs up and keeps going. So um, it'd be interesting to see those two go at it for the rest of the year. Uh, Roman Fevra <coughs> finished in third place, uh, the number three in three. Dude, I was watching it and I was like, what's Tomac doing over there? <laughs> like he just has like everything looks exactly like Tomac. Yeah. And I was yeah, like... What- last night we're like wonder if Tomac will go and change his number and stuff now because they look identical but yeah it's weird I was like like I knew he made the number change but because it's been so long in between like those first couple of rounds that and they all flew yeah. under the radar a little bit because everything was going on at the one time um to actually like sit down and like look at it. I was like, shit, like even the big number three on the back and he wears the Al- the Alpo Star gear as well. I was like, dude, it's like just watching like yeah, not a carbon copy because Tomac rides so much different to anyone in the world. Um, but I'm like, okay, everything's exactly the same. Um, so, yeah, so Fevre in third, he was kind of – he went 2-2 two, two with it to end up third overall, which that's that's a disappointing, like, you go 2-2 two, two and end up – no, no, 3-3, three, three, sorry, no, third. So, yeah, no, so that, that would work out. Jeremy Siwa, fourth, and then Jeffrey Hurling's fifth. He just didn't look like – he had some crashes and stuff like that. Like, at the last moto, he come from – I think he crashed in the first or second corner as well and uh, and made his way back. So, uh, Hurling's four. So, yeah, he went yeah. four, four for fifth. Hurling's yeah. was strong. First moto, he actually wasn't – for the, how rough the track was, where Hurling's usually is real outstanding that, he didn't do a whole lot for the first 20 minutes of the first moto. Yep. And then, yeah, then he kind of just put the hammer down the last 10 and he made, I think, about four or five passes. And he is roughly around the eighth position for most of the moto. And then, yeah, then he's, yeah, I don't know if the other boys were, you know, dropping off the pace a touch or not, but he ended up pulling in the leaders by like four seconds, I think, towards the end. But, yeah, he, he rode solid. Yeah, he rode solid. I mean, fifth is not, you know, you, you look at all the rest of the names underneath all of this, you know, Gautier Paulin, Jorge Prado, like Clement Nassau, D- Tony Caroli end up 13th overall for the day. So obviously he's still um, not yeah. 100%. Um, you know, but there's so many names underneath that. Like, you know, fifth is like, oh, what's wrong? But, dude, that's that's a pretty stacked field uh, moving down the list there. And there's you know, a bunch of other names in there as well. Um, the one Australian we have in the GPs is, is obviously Mitch Evans. And he also had a bit of a rough day. He had, uh, I think a crash in the second moto and had to make his way through. He, he crashed first corner in both motos. Yeah, that's it. And he just had the, you know, his first race back, he's been off the bike. I know he's only been kind of back on for the last couple of weeks. And he did ride solid, though. He come from pretty much dead last. And I think he come back to like 17th or something like that in both motos, which is a long way back to yeah. come. To. So he's definitely got the, the pace. He just, yeah, unfortunately, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time on the weekend. That's right. So, um, so he's he's currently sitting thirteenth overall in the points as well uh, for the championship. Uh, he had, you know, he had a pretty rough um, Netherlands round, which was round two before the COVID shutdown. He went zero zero, so he got no points that round. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see uh, the overall championship. As I said there's four points between Geyser and Hurlings, and then Goldenhoff's just behind them as well. Uh, he's you know. 27 down um but you know he's he's looking good and if he keeps coming on strong like this and then as i said there's a there's a massive crew of riders behind that just ready to to hunt them all down as well so um that's gp's gp talk anything that you guys want to add to that that you've seen or or have uh, noticed 
Oh, we're just ready for Wednesday night again. Well, I think it'll be Thursday our time, so yeah. We'll get on more GP action. Uh, the other thing that uh, obviously kicks off this weekend, uh, we've got the AMA Pro Nationals uh, in America kicking off at the Loretta Lynch Ranch. Have you ridden there, Luke? Have you done Loretta's? Yeah, yeah I think it was 2013. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch because that track is a lot different to even any of the other amateur nationals. It's yeah. kind of really tight and real rough. It gets massive braking bumps, um, deep ruts, but yeah, it's a very tight track, pretty much grass because it only gets ridden the once a year. Yeah, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting with those boys. Obviously, every one of the Americans have been there from their amateur times doing the Redders before turning pro. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the fresh kids that have raced there in the past year or two years yeah. are going to be there ones like um jet obviously yeah uh he'll he'll definitely be on he knows the track he's done the time there so it'll be good yeah i mean i watched a little bit of the amateur national stuff because it's uh, a little bit easier to, to jump on and watch that uh watch the the broadcast of that and i mean yeah like it looks tight but i mean it looks rough too like um mm. i think there was a i was on instagram today and uh Nick Way put a thing up with uh, Vincent Way and he was going through these breaking bumps on the inside on his 65. I was like, holy shit. Like he was going fast and I was like, man, on a 60, how are you getting through those things? So, I mean, the other thing that you got to look at too with the track is there's been rumors they're going to extend it, make it a little bit bigger, obviously for the nationals. But I mean, the parts of the track, if they use the whole track or if they, whatever, I mean, they're going to be beat because they've been ridden all week for this amateur national and they've got to like try and get the soil back up and and, and uh ready to go for that you know for the national going to be there this weekend so um it's, yeah i'm with you i think it's going to be a lot of the guys that have been there previously um in the last couple of years are actually going to shine but uh mm-hmm. yeah a lot of the a lot of the uh, american um podcasts and that they're all like the the uh, national start at Washougal because <laughs> it's just going to be an amateur national for the first one. And then, uh, yeah. then the, the big tracks moving on. Um, so, I mean, I was going to get some predictions and then <clears throat> I thought about it. I mean, ultimately uh, you guys probably agree with me. Tomac is probably the favorite to win the 450 three times and defending, um, won a supercross title, had a nice break to get ready for it. I think he's kind of going to be pretty hard to beat. Um, do you guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he's obviously everyone knows Tomac's unreal, but um, like I said, this track is a different track, yeah. and it definitely, yeah, it's, it can be a four fifty track, but it's pretty tight. Like I, I remember when I was there since I was on Super Minis, and he was running the same times as Zach Bell, who was winning the two fifty A, which is the two fifty class. It's a, it's definitely a mini bike track, but like you said, they might extend it, they might change it, um, but it's definitely not high speed. Nah. Not. Know, there's no elevation it's flat ground and it'll be interesting i that 450 class yeah i i i kind of have my money on anderson he's got that technique of hanging it down that yeah. tighter kind of track and yeah i, I don't know he, yeah uh, so he's yeah he's unreal well i mean ultimately <clears throat> for the championship though tomac is Tom actually guy for the championship moving, moving in. So how I wanted to sort of question this to you guys is I want to throw four names at you and I want to kind of want you to sort of predict where you think they're going to finish overall. So it's not going to be the top guys. Um, it's kind of those next sort of not tier, but 
the guys that are either not proven, which a couple of these guys haven't ridden full 50 outdoors. Um, and then, you know, the other guys that are sort of in that four, five, six position and sort of trying to rank them in a sense. So my first one is, is the name you brought up there before Luke, uh, Adam Cincerello. Um, what do you guys think overall the championship? He's going to end up, um, finishing up for the year. Championship. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say fifth. Five? Yeah. Yep. Got anything? Yeah, yeah, there's there's so many of them. When you like, you try to think, you're like, oh, you know, there's this person, that person, that person. There's a lot of them. Yeah. But I feel like since Rose always done really well at outdoors, even yep. through amateur. Um, you know, he won the championship last year, was in the yep. 250 class, and. I'm going to, if he, if he can keep it together and not crash, you know, he had some unfortunate races in Supercross, I'm going top three. I'm going, yeah, probably third overall. Nice. Him up there. All right, put him up there. He's going to do good on the 450. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very similar to his Supercross season. Like he's going to be just ridiculously fast. Um, okay, he'll qualify fastest. Oh, he will. Yeah. Each round, he'll just go and qualify quickest again. He will. And, and I mean, Loretta's like the first round, he's going to be quick there. He's got the, yeah, yeah runs on the board as, as everyone's discussed over and over, beat it, beat it to death. But, uh, you know, same as his Supercross, he's going to be fast, but he's going to have those little moments where he's still trying to figure out the 450. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, for me, like I'm putting him around where Rob is. I'm going to put him in that five to six range. If he's, you know, that's without, you know, without injury or anything like that happening. Hopefully none of that does, but I'm going to put him in that five and six. He's going to, I think he's going to win motos. Uh, and again, especially the Raiders. I like, I think he's going to be the hot favorite for there, but then through the championship, it's not a long championship. They're cramming it in pretty quickly too. So, I mean, if he stays fit and healthy, yeah, I think he's going to be in that you know five six range there. Uh, the next guy I wanted to bring up, uh, Brock Tickle. So he's just got the fill in ride for Plessinger at Factory Yamaha. Um, you know he's had the, obviously a lot of layoff. He had a rough Supercross coming back for JGR, all that sort of stuff. Where do you guys and uh, Rob will start with you? Where do you think Tickle will end up in that uh, in that sort of ranking? Uh- like Luke said earlier, like there's so many guys. So, and I don't know, I just still just think, like he started coming good at the end of Supercross there, but um, I don't know, I still just think he's probably going to be more towards the backside of the top 10. Yep. Like eighth to 10th position kind of thing. Yep. I mean, he's going to be on the factory MR and stuff, but honestly, like, yeah, he had that time off, and it's hard to like it's hard to jump back into it, as we all know. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's probably going to be more towards the tail end of the top ten guys. Well, I got a, I got a couple of questions for you on that. So, what do you think's harder, having all that time off, jumping back into Supercross or Motocross? Like, what would be the harder harder transition back into? I mean, for me personally, I would say it'd be harder to jump back into Motocross. Yeah. It's yeah, it's got your intensity and everything at the at the start of the race, but also motocross is way more endurance. Yeah. But for me personally, supercross has always come more natural. natural. Yeah. No, that's fair. Get on, like I could jump on the bike tomorrow and go and do everything on a supercross track, but 
then I just have to work on yeah. my fitness and and like your um yeah, like your aggression and everything like that at the start of the race. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you got him in there. Here's another one. Do you think he beats Barsha overall? Championship. Nah. Barsha's had too many years on that bike now. He knows the bike back to front. Yep. Uh, like I have heard that a few of the riders do have issues with getting, you know, adjusting to that bike where Barsha's had his time with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with them now, I think 40 plus years or so. Yeah. If you his bike out, then he's definitely got an issue there. Well, I mean, they'll still complain about it at Supercross, so yeah. I don't know if they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, they could always. <laughs> they've got RV testing for him at the moment, so we'll see, see how they end up with I that. I think regardless of what bike they're on and stuff, I still I still think Barsha. Barsha's better? Yep. No, that's a go. What about, what about you, Luke? Yeah, I... There's, a, I went over for the Supercross this year for yeah. a, and there's a bit, there's a list of them. There's a lot of rides. Obviously, Moosecan's back as yep. well now. Um, I'm putting him a 10th to 15th place guy. Yep. I'll be, I, you know, he's a really good guy. He's an unreal rider, but I'll be surprised if he finished a top 10. I yep. think he's that 12th, you know, to 15th place kind of guy. Yep. Cool. Uh, I am probably going to go with you there, Luke, as well. Like, I think he's going to have some races where he just like, people are like, holy shit. Like the last round at Salt Lake city, I think he ended up fifth overall in the main or something like that. Like he's going to have races like that where he gets a good start and he gets himself in the right place at the right time. And he does something pretty, pretty special. But I think the general overall of the championship. Yeah. I think he's going to be in that 10 to 15 by the time we get to wrap this championship up, uh, championship up. So, um, yeah, as you said, there's a heap of riders in there, but I just, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he adjusts that, that was at four fifty, uh, and whether he, he's sort of gets him well. And uh, from what I've heard, he's a pretty good tester. So it'd be interesting to see if he changes a lot and gets it to how he wants to, um, get through the next one. Chase Sexton, Debut in the 450, HRC Honda, factory racing. What do you think, Luke, about Sexton and how he's going to adapt to this 450? Yeah, it's – I'm like Sexton, he's – there's times when he's riding, he's very – he's a Ryan Dungey. He doesn't look – he doesn't hang it out. Yep. But he seems to just clock laps faster than the other boys. And I, I really – that's a hard one. That one's hard as hell. I think <laughs> outdoors unreal as well. So. Yeah. He's kind of like, I think he's going to be kind of on that part of Cincerello, but yep. then since had a little bit more time on that 450 now, um, I could see Chase finishing a couple of top five finishes. Yep. But I, he's small, he's young, yep. and, you know, I I can see, uh, yeah, I, I'll put him like that eight-place guy. Between fifth and tenth overall, I think he'll be that around that eight-place guy. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Where where are you at with, with Sexton on the 450? Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Luke. Um, like I even think he could potentially surprise us even more. Yep. Someone is and end up on the podium. Yep. Um, and I like, yeah, like I said, he's a small guy, but I mean, he's, I think he's going to suit the 450. He's pretty tall, so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. From watching him on the lights bike, at times looked like 
the power was an issue for him because he is so tall and a pretty big guy on for a light spike. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him ride the 450. He's got a super smooth style. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I reckon, like Luke said, he looks kind of effortless sometimes and doesn't have that out there riding style where he has moments. So I think he'll suit the 450. And, yeah, like I said, probably surprise us with maybe even some podium finishes. But overall, yeah, I don't think he'll be consistently there. So, yeah, it's probably more of a, like Luke said, somewhere outside the top five. But I reckon, yeah, I'd definitely put him inside the top ten. Yeah. Cool. All right, I am probably going to buck the trend on this one a little bit. I mean, I put Cincerello at like 5-6, and I think him and Sexton, are gonna, it's going to be like between them, like for 5 and 6. I I think that duration-wise and the way that Sexton rides over Cincerello, like AC has that, you know, those moments here and there where Chase is very fluent on a bike. So... I think in the overall championship scheme of things, I would not be surprised if you see Sexton beat AC overall. I just, I don't know. I just like the way, I like the way he rides. So, but I think it's going to. Yeah. I think over the whole series, I kind of think so too. Yeah. I think he'll be, he'll be more consistent. He's yep. more solid, right? He doesn't make those mistakes very often. Yeah. Like he is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I think. Uh, last one for the 450 class. We get this through this. Uh, Jason Anderson, he's kind of that wild cardy sort of guy. Uh, where do you guys uh, sort of think Anderson's going to finish up? Um, I, I mean, I don't see why Anderson can't be a podium contender like every week. Yeah, um, is he's known as that third place yeah. guy every week, <laughs> always on the podium. And yeah, I. I Met Jason when he came over, or when I was in the states. And then we hung out when he was here. Um, but he's a good dude. He's, com- you know, he doesn't take. He's serious about the sport, obviously. Yeah. But he's not a tomac. He kind of lives a regular lifestyle yeah. as well as a pro racer. It, you know, it works for him. And he's, he, you know, when I coach kids, I'm like, Jason Anderson's one of the fastest in the world, hundred percent. But yeah. don't watch his technique. Yeah. <laughs> Who just hangs off it and yeah, it, it works for him. But I can, and he's pretty consistent. He doesn't make that many mistakes. So I, yeah, like Rob said, I think he's definitely a top three guy. He always has been for the past two, three years in the, um, since he stepped up to the 450. Yep. And I can see him getting plenty of podiums. He's definitely, 100% he'll be in that top five yep. overall rider at the end of the championship. But it'd be awesome to see him. Yeah, I'm definitely in the top three. Yeah, 100%. I don't know what it is, but like I don't know whether it's just their personalities or what. But I love it when I see Anderson and Wilson, like the two Husky guys. I love it when I see those guys get good results. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. You just feel so pumped for them when they do, especially especially Wilson. Yeah. Because um, he's had such shit run with injuries and stuff all the time. But um, yeah. There's so many times where they kind of both have good days together. Yeah. So. I like the last round of Supercross, for example. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, I reckon for sure, like Anderson, yeah, like we both said, there's no reason why I can't be top three week in, week out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I threw Anderson in here because I kind of was kind of hoping you guys would say what you've just said. So let's run through the list of guys that could be top three. You got Tomac, Roxon, Anderson, Moosecan, Webb, 
Osborne. Osborne. Like, <laughs> there's like six dudes already that could be inside or could be on the podium each week. That's, then a, that's, you, what, that's why it's so hard to yep. even that, put numbers on any of them. We're probably better off picking the guys after top 20. Yeah, and that's why I did it this way because, <laughs> cause like, you think about it, you're like, oh, that guy will be there. And then when you actually read out the list of riders, you're like, holy, yep. like, it's going to be – awesome summer uh for for motocross in america um because everyone is kind of you know besides obviously uh blessing is out um everyone else is pretty much uh, you know 100 percent ready healed and and you know wanting to do battle so it's going to be so good to see the 450 class uh this year in the in the outdoors yeah. Uh, 250 class. We're going to do the same thing. Uh, I'm going to condense this one down just a little bit. Um, obviously, we've got two Lawrence brothers, uh, Jet and Hunter. I'm going to start with let's let's word it this way: Who beats who? Yeah. <laughs> who do you think is going to beat who in the championship overall after uh, the what are we nine first, rounds? Hey, first round. I'd say Jet. I'm but, going Jet first round. But yeah. overall, I think, aren't I? Yep. <laughs> I'm going Jet podium first round. Yep. Uh, yep. Overall, like Jet, <laughs> I don't know. Supercross is, yeah, as Rob will know, it's more technical. A lot more can go wrong where, you know, Jet made a few of those mistakes, as we all know, but the kid had some raw yeah. speed. It was unreal. And no one's seen him race a pro outdoor Oh, he did it. He did race one round. Didn't yeah, he no, he did a couple last year, and he, he did good. Yeah, yeah, and you know he only just come out of it, so it was like fresh to him. Now he's racing, boys. We saw the Supercross. He only progressed each round, and we we're like waiting for that next round to come. Because yeah, we're like he can definitely podium this weekend. Like it was, but yeah, he got better and better. I think with him now comfortable over there with all those boys practicing with Anderson and Dino on that every you know every day. Yeah, I. If he can put it together, I think Jet will have him overall. Yep. But first round, I yeah, I'm gonna go Jet. All right, so you're gonna get you're gonna go Jet overall. What do you what do you reckon, Rob? Hang on, Hunter. Yeah, I'm gonna say Hunter overall. Yep. Um, I don't know. I just think he's gonna be a lot more consistent. Yep. He's GP experience. That's kind of- Straightforward answer, but yeah, that's no, good. No, it's good. I mean, I I am probably leaning more with you, Rob. I think I think Hunter's. We haven't seen it yet, but I feel like Hunter is a better motocross rider, and Jet's gonna be a better supercross rider. Like they're just like polar opposite, and they have been their whole lives. Like they are polar opposite people, polar opposite riders. Like, and that's why I think they're gonna end up like. Hunter's going to be better outdoors. Like Jet's going to be fast. He's yeah, he could podium first round, and and you wouldn't even blink an eye at that. But I don't know if he you know over the championship whether he can continue that form or whatnot. But his talent he has in Supercross, like he'll be the and again in America as you guys know, uh, Supercross is obviously starting to become the pinnacle of the sport. Motocross is kind of what they do in the summertime, which is a little unfortunate. But I mean, you know, if Jet gets through. If you watch both the uh, Lawrence Brothers' Instagrams and stuff, like social medias, it's even by just watching them, it gives off that vibe that Jet is the Supercross guru and Hunter's the motocross guru. Yep. Like that's just from watching their normal everyday stuff. It just seems like, yeah, I don't know why. Just to me, even even just watching their social medias, that's the vibe I get from them. Is yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah. 
so yeah, I, I, I said, I think I'm going to go Hunter. You know, we'll, we'll be overall. I just hope he stays healthy and gets through the whole, the whole season. Like he needs, he needs to get through the whole motocross and get into supercross next year. I think like Hunter's, you know, you don't want to say it, but he's, he's kind of hasn't done too much yet since he's been there. And you know what those teams are like, like they'll give you a, enough rope to the point where if they haven't seen anything, I mean, factory connection are probably one of the only teams that do give a lot of rope um, and give those guys a lot of time to develop. Um, but yeah, he, I think he needs to have a good outdoor season uh, just to, to prove that he's still, still there and still relevant and jet doesn't eclipse him, you know, and, and, sort of takes a shine off him. So that's where yeah. I'm at as well. But again, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Luke. I, I I would not not even, you know, find it out of the norm if Jet gets on the podium there first round at Loretta's, uh, especially, you know, being there last year and uh, was super fast from what what was said. Um, the last one I want to get to, uh, the 2VD class, uh, is Cameron McAdoo. So he started coming on real strong there at the end of Supercross when Rob and I, you were going through those. And, um, you know, you obviously had that uh, that pretty cool cool or nasty takeout on uh, Ferrandis there at one of the final rounds. And, uh, you know, he was fast, but him and, him and Jet and uh, the other one, Mosman were trying to kill each other. Every moto, it seemed like, just run into each other. Where do you guys see him outdoors? Like he had made a massive improvement in the break before Supercross. He's training with AC and Nick Way and riding with them all the time. Um, where do you guys see, see McAdoo um, coming into to this, uh, this championship and finishing up? Um, so I had like, I had a lot of buddies from the States when he was training for Supercross and I heard like the, you know, I got told at the test tracks and stuff that McAdoo was unreal, like the fastest of the track and, yeah. you know, the dude was fire, which he rode really well in Supercross, but he did make a lot of, I felt like he did make a fair few mistakes. Yeah. He's kind of like that. Maybe his style is to hang it out and because Supercross so precise, he kind of, overrode the track and made those mistakes. So I honestly, I don't know. I, I, I can, I don't, for some reason I could be wrong, but I don't see him being a top five guy. Mm-hmm. I can see him. It's a 10th. Yeah. Um, but he could, like I said, he could be, that could be his style and he might hang it out there and be that podium rider. But I'm seeing him. Yeah. Fifth to 10th place too. Yeah. Maybe right. a couple of, Lives if he you know doesn't you know, make silly mistakes, but yeah, I'm going with. Yeah, it's a, it is pretty hard to answer because I don't really know him apart from just watching him at Supercross. Yeah. So yeah, it's really hard to to know. Kind of he's going to be, but maybe um yeah, I got a feeling he's definitely going to be fast. Like he's showed he's getting pretty fast in Supercross, and I mean. If he can go fast in Supercross with the technical side of things, he can open it up and hang it a bit loose in the motocross, and he definitely hangs it loose. So I think, yeah, I mean, maybe top five, but, yeah, there's going to be races where he's going to be back as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, – yeah, I – I mean, I'm with you guys there on that as well. Like, I think he's going to be in the top five. He's going to show flash and speed. I don't, again, he's going to be like Jet. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on the podium. Um, he's got that sort of speed, but it's holding it together. Um, you know, and obviously I brought him up because, you know, 
I, I don't know if you guys agree, but I would I would pretty much put him as the number one rider at PC. I mean, it's him. Yeah. You know, you, you got two fill-in riders below you. So he's kind of carrying the team too. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does that and whether those other two fill-in riders beat him or, or around him. Listener question time. So um, let's let's go. Uh, this one got sent through to me uh, from a fan. And, and again, guys, if you're listening and you want to ask a question, no silly questions. We love to talk about this stuff. Rob and I love to bench race. We're going to have some, some guests in and out. And we like to have people in here just bench racing questions and, and different stuff like that. So send them through. When we put up the post, send them through to us. And uh, hopefully we, we choose yours and, and get it up. Uh, one I got this week um, is at what point are riders too old to race at the top level? Um, Rob, you're going to say 36, which is what you said in our pre. 36. <laughs> but that, that's that's uh, that's for me, Rico's. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this one off, and I'm gonna go. Um, it, it's the little different. So, you know, it depends what you're looking at here in Australia. It seems like the prime age for people to be competing and getting themselves up. Like you only look back through, you know, Marmonts and Andersons and stuff like that. Like those guys were getting into their thirties when they were hitting their prime. Coppins was in his prime in his sort of early thirties. America, it's like 26 is like your peak age to be, to be successful. So, um, I reckon once you start getting around that mid thirties, Rob, hundred percent, you, you're not getting too old, but as you've experienced, you don't bounce yeah. anymore. I mean- um, yeah, I think it's definitely early to mid-30s. Um, I kind of think, like, yeah, obviously myself, last year I was still kind of competitive at a state level, level but it, everyone, it's definitely a personal thing. Um, everyone's going to be different, but a perfect example is, I guess, if you look at Reedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, he was, he's a couple of years older than me. But um, the last time he was, like, really, really competitive up there, he would have been around that, what, 35? Uh, Earlier earlier than that. It would have been, like, yeah, 30 to 32 was the last time. I mean, besides that podium he got in 19, because he retired at 36 or something, wasn't he, when he retired this year? Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, I kind of use that as a good guy. Like, he, he... no slouch still, and he, but I mean, he would have been doing everything possible to be competitive at that age still, like yeah. looking like crazy stuff. The amount, and I know these guys have done it for most of their careers, but like the amount of, um, like whatever the tablets are they take, whatever types of multivitamins or supplement tablets and that that they take, the amount of like stuff like that he would have been on plus however he would have had to alter his training regime like there's no way he'd be able to do the training regime of a 20 year old or mid 20 year old so the extent that he would have went to to still be competitive for as long as what he was um i mean your average person isn't going to do that so for sure that early to mid 30s maximum is going to be your, your later, like your oldest age to be competitive at that top of top level. Yeah. 
Well, there's a couple of, and there's a couple of um, different ways to look at it too. I mean, uh, when I got the question, the first thing that ran through my head too was, um, was injuries. I mean, you know, if you've had a, a career of injuries, um, you know, you're not going to last as long as a guy who's, you know, being quite lucky and quite fortunate and hasn't had the amount of injuries that, that stack up and, you know, um, right. you know, get worse and worse as you get older, you start feeling them injuries more and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, hundred percent. I can relate to that. Yeah. Very. Cause I've been so lucky my whole career. I've had, I think 10 broken bones total. And a couple of those are just minor fractures, you know, nothing major. Yeah. So I've been super lucky with injuries and, I still feel pretty good now, even with a busted knee. But yep. it just goes to show. Last week, the last weekend when I did hurt my knee, like it was nothing, and it could contribute to age a, a bit. But also, obviously, not for me. Like I haven't been riding or, or training either, so probably that's got a lot to do with it as well. But um, but yeah, for sure. If you haven't had injuries like myself a lot in your whole in your career, you still feel like you can do it. Like yeah, I still like I can go out there and be competitive which is probably not a good thing well my wife Mon she doesn't think it's a good thing at all she doesn't want me to go racing so <laughs> I say oh, I can still beat that guy I can still run this guy sitting beside me but you know like it's yeah. just yeah she, it's it definitely comes down to how many injuries you've had throughout your career for sure yep 100% 100% Luke obviously you, you agree along a lot of those lines as well um, yeah, unfortunately, I agree too much because I um <laughs> I'm kind of made the decision now. This year was supposed to be my last year racing professionally, like at the yeah. nationals. Um, just because I you know, I've suffered a lot of injuries and yep. um, surgeries. Like Rob says, you know, this is only his second surgery where I've had twelve or thirteen surgeries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> surgery, so not just basic stuff. It's yep. been. My body's definitely took a good toll on itself, so yeah. I'm kind of you know at the point. I I do believe though that age. You look at Justin Braden now, national champion for Supercross, and then even my brother, he's 34, I think now. Yeah, and two boys, and then Cloudy, obviously, and he was riding Unreal last year. Um, but yeah, the age limit is that 30 to 35. Yeah. Year range, you got Dean, he's 30, Waters, I'm, I think he's about 30 yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, about myself, I'm only 26, but I've been through oh, yeah. down as low as I could possibly be and back up and down, up and down, you know, throughout my time racing. And I'm, you know, even now, I just come off the track and I'm actually physically and mentally hurting. So I've made the decision now, next year will be. Definitely my last year of racing and yeah, but that's, you know, I would love to continue, but I also have other career change, you know, that's why I'm at full-time university. So I want to go continue my life and, you know, be able to help out people in the same situation as me. So I'm doing physiotherapy. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point from Luke because, yeah, he's actually doing physiotherapy. So he's obviously learned a lot about the body and stuff. But I mean, how good would it be if you could, spend a day in someone else's body and actually feel what their aches and pains are like. Like yeah. Luke, if Luke and I could swap, like the age difference between us is what, 10 years? Yeah. We probably feel similar. Like, cause yeah. I've been so lucky with yeah. injuries. I mean, obviously the older you get, 
just a normal average person, the older you get, you get aches and pains when you wake up in the morning. But yeah. it'd be so interesting to see. I reckon, yeah, there'd be similarities even with that massive age difference. Yep. Aches yeah. and pains, different parts of your body that hurt old injuries or whatever. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. That's, and that's the, that's the whole, you know, overall consensus on this. I think it's just going to be it, it, with that. It's an injury thing. And, and again, you love and passionate for the sport as well. Like it, it, at a point that takes over a little bit, but as you said, Luke, like it's just getting to the point now where you're aching and painting and it's just like, I just can't, can't keep doing this to myself and, and trust me, you'll probably have two years off and like all of us get the resurgence again and think, Oh yeah, no, I feel great. And, you know, like I could go do this again. <laughs> and I'll always have a bike. Like I have hundred percent. Still continue doing local state stuff and just have some fun when I can have the time to go race. But, you know, riders, as you know, I do help out a bunch of young kids that are up and comers and they're at the age now where I've got to teach them it's not just riding a dirt bike. you got to put the effort in off the bike and that's where I nearly – a lot of my injuries don't actually hurt me while I'm riding but I can't physically do the work through the week because my legs and knees and ankles yeah. and that are too to do the physical activity to be able to be prepared for the races on the weekend so yeah. that's the biggest thing of having to kind of call it quits yeah. you know in the near future because i just can't physically do it anymore it's just yeah it's wearing me down hurt ya hurt ya all but, right guys uh, short answer yeah 36 36. <laughs> Robbie's 36. Bang, put a stamp on it. Get out. Uh, alrighty, guys. We're going to wrap this one up. Thank you for joining us. Uh, show number six of the Moto Limited show. Uh, thank you, Rob, as always, for being on here doing this. And Luke, thank you for joining us tonight. Probably took a little bit more time than I, we said you were going to take from you, but we do appreciate <laughs> your uh your input on that uh you know you've got a lot of knowledge and experience in the sport so i was very very excited when you said yes to coming on so um thank you for coming in that's all right um so guys if you want to go over have a look at luke's stuff he's doing obviously his physiotherapy at the moment but he's got his coaching and that sort of stuff luke take this moment here to plug uh how people can get in touch with you to, to get any of that sort of coaching and that done with you yeah so um yeah with my coaching, I've got, uh, you can follow my Instagram page, LL110 Elite MX Training. Um, you just direct message me there. I've got my own private track at Pimpama on the Gold Coast. So I do training sessions twice a week, um, one afternoon after school for the kids that can't make it. And then my Saturdays, unless I'm racing, um, I have sessions starting at 7.30 all the way through till 5.30 p.m. So every week that's available. And, yeah, if you guys are keen, just jump on board and, yeah, see you out there ready to rip. Cool. All righty. Well, uh, we'll uh, wrap this one up. Thank you everyone for listening. As always, jump over onto the Moto Limited social network pages and Rob and my own personal pages as well. Again, when the listener question uh, sort of comes up, jump on there, guys, smash some questions through to us. We're, we're more than happy to go through that. Um, but until uh, till the next one, guys, enjoy the racing out there. See you. See ya. Motor Limited Network. We've been out filming for the last two days. I'm knackered. Trying to get home and we're running out of fuel. And we're about 13 k's from home.